Picture the scene. There's a man, middle-aged, conked out in the back of a taxi. A Death in Vegas song lulls the viewer into the cityscape outside. The sky is pitch black, but the streets are alive with the glow of neon light, a rainbow of colours beaming off the corporate logos and characters of building signage. The man awakens. His name is Bill Murray, the actor, playing an actor called Bob Harris, who has just arrived in Tokyo to shoot a whiskey commercial. He rubs his eyes, his face almost touching the pane of glass as he watches in astonishment the city unfolding before him. He utters a silent wow. This is his first real glimpse into a cyberpunk world. Hello, and welcome to the China Podcast. I described to you just now the opening scene from Lost in Translation, a quite poignant film, futuristic in terms of how it presents the setting, Japan, and one that we think helps establish the grounds for part two of our exploration into the cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah, well... This, we, this week we want to investigate the perceived orientalism of cyberpunk worlds. Um, in the modern world, this started with Japan. But why? Why did a country physically and mentally humiliated by the dropping of two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War II recover within just a couple of short decades to become the very essence of cyberpunk? Uh, a cyberpunk utopia even um does japan still hold the title of everything that's futuristic and beyond mainstream or are there competitors closing the gap namely china we'll also examine the underbelly of cyberpunk economies we spoke last week about the role of mega corporations in cyberpunk cities but what about the trade of counterfeit goods in the black market Does it only belong to the world of fiction? Or does it have an accepted presence in reality too? Yeah, and we're going to look at a couple more of the tropes found in cyberpunk genre, um, as well as one or two things that we missed last week. And we're even going to talk about about lipstick. So, stay tuned. Owen, I went downtown on Friday to buy some books. Any luck? Mixed results. I picked up a copy of the screenplay for Three Billboards outside Ebbing in Missouri. Uh, You've probably seen the film with Francis McDormand and uh, Woody Harrelson. I've not seen the film, but I do. I I do love Francis McDormand. I'd love to just go into her house. She's she's married to one of the Coen brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. So can you imagine the number of Oscars she she actually has three acting Oscars. Um, which is the second most of anyone. Only Catherine Hepburn has more Oscars than her. It's herself and Daniel Day-Lewis. What both about Meryl, Meryl Streep? No, 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 no. I mean, she has two or three. She has two. Okay. She has two. Frances McDormand and Daniel Day-Lewis, they have three. And then uh. Catherine Hepburn has has four. Frances McDormand has four as well, but one of them is producing. Um, but I never got to... I never seen it. I, I know the story. It's um, a woman whose daughter is killed yeah yeah and she isn't happy with the police response so she takes out billboards she takes out billboards yeah 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 and she's kind of questioning people. she humiliates the police humiliating, yeah. uh 
gets gets them going really yeah yeah don't um, spoil it because I will actually watch it do yeah, yeah. do um, uh, and that film was written by Martin McDonough Englishman born to Irish parents not to be confused with John McDonough who was another screenwriter and wrote and directed The Guard and Calvary both starring our very own Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, and when we say he's our, our own, he's it's not like we've enslaved him. We, he's, <laughs> we no. don't we don't keep him in a cell in the basement. He's he's Irish. Um, when he, like he's Brendan Gleeson is a he's a big man. He's a grown man. He's able to do his own thing. He's in Ireland. He's royalty. He's a king. Um, he's like an old chieftain or something. Um, and if you've ever seen a, a little short movie called Cork Millish, he he's haunted the dreams of Irish students for the last uh, I don't know how long. Um, so you got that right. So you got the that book and the you got the screenplay. Got, uh, anything else? Got the screenplay. Um, yeah, a Chinese translated copy of Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. Yeah, got it for hers truly. Um, That's the. Is that the new one? No, it's the one before. That's, isn't that's it? her first one. That's her. That's, de- the, that's yeah, her yeah, debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the debut. Sally Rooney, by the way, is yeah. is also Irish. Yeah, also Irish. Yeah, um, big buzz around. So, there. so yeah, for her to be selling copies of her book in China is yeah. massive. Oh, it's massive. It's yeah. massive. Um, yeah, like she's she's doing splendidly well. Uh, one of her books, of course, was turned into a TV show called Normal People. That's her second book, yeah. uh, and there's another one on the way, being. Conversations with friends. The first one is also going to be turned into a TV show. Oh, they're going to make the because she has a new book as well coming out. She's she's yeah she's got a new novel out at the moment. Yeah. Um. So normal people. Lots of people said good stuff about that. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yes. So she yeah, she's hot property right now. Uh. In the literature world. Yeah. Check her out. Watch the TV show Normal People if you haven't already. Uh. Yeah. If you're in China, you'll probably catch it on one of the many apps on mm. your phone that they've got here that's mm. where i watched it yeah you won't get it on the rte player anyway no you won't yeah what a useless waste of space yeah, that is that is the truth and sally rooney doesn't give a fuck either of us. yeah and because she banned the publication of her book in israel political reasons i assume Supposedly, yeah, but uh, I suppose more to do with her own personal political beliefs, uh, you know, Israel, Israel Palestine, Palestine, all that kind of very stuff. Very common sort of beliefs in Ireland. It's not yeah. for us to talk about here no, on the China podcast. Let's not go down there. No, because there might not be any turning back. That is very true. And you had a look at the the Guatai Art Museum again. Um, you sent me the photo of the, the back of it. Yeah, uh, and this, of course, is the Chongqing Art Museum that we talked about last week. It goes by many names, but yeah, I was in the the vicinity and down in Jifeng Bay in the city centre. Uh, I wanted to go in for a look around because I haven't been in there before in all the years of being in China. Um, but yeah, I was waved away by security. I don't know why. Uh, this is about four in the afternoon on Friday. Now, you'd have thought it would have been opened. It looked like it was opened, but then again, it looked like it was closed. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. There was guys inside. Yeah, probably just keeping up appearances. Yeah, possibly. If you're living in Chongqing, I'd love to know what the current situation with visiting museums and you know recreational places are. Because, I mean, we had a, an outbreak in COVID 
last month. Yeah, it was last month. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in December now, of course. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe the maybe there's restrictions in place. Maybe they're still there. They're still there in some some of these places. Yeah, yeah. I, like I don't know what's going on. So the, the Winter Olympics is coming. The Winter Olympics is around the corner in Beijing. Um, yeah, they're probably just being careful. Yeah, sure. This is it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I sent you that photo because as I was doing like a lap around this place, something struck me. Was it a car? No, no. It was a scooter. Driving the wrong way down a one-way street. Wrong way down a one-way street. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing that. he's doing a Limmy impersonation, by the way. Yeah, Limmy. He's a Scottish comedian. He does uh, sketch shows. He exists really on the online world. Funny guy. Funny guy. Very funny bloke, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could probably do an episode on Limmy if we could find a link between him and China. What do you reckon? Scottish comedian, China. I think I know a guy. Maybe one for the future. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Anyway, you sent me this photo of the back of the museum. Why? Well, this is why, because I am convinced that the people who designed this, right, were tripping on Star Wars the night they drew up the blueprints for the museum, because... I mean, you saw the photo. What did those red boxes at the back of it remind you of? Rocket engines! <laughs> it looks like it's going to space. Here, rocket engines! <laughs> yeah, he says it like a boy at Christmas. With all the enthusiasm of a boy at Christmas, huh? That's what it looks like. Give me my rocket engines. But yeah, no, no, you're right. It's, it is mad looking, isn't it? It's out of this world. It, it really is. Um, anyway, so cyberpunk, yes. Yeah, anyway. cyberpunk. Mm, okay. William Gibson, do you remember him? Um, so, anyway, I'll remind you who he is. He's the guy who Bruce, Bruce Bethke, who came up with, Bruce Bethke came up with the word, and cyberpunk, that was invented by William Gibson, according to Bruce Bethke. And Bruce Bethke is the guy who wrote the short story Cyberpunk about a bunch of teenage hackers. Yes. Now, Gibson, he's best known for the novel Neuromancer. Uh, again, about computer hackers. Uh, this time in Japan. But in 2001, Time magazine published a piece that William Gibson wrote. And it was called The Future Perfect, which is basic, which basically explains the context behind why Japan succeeded in being so technologically advanced in such a short space of time. Yeah. And this all goes back to the Second World War, right? hmm And I'm going to drop a few quotes in here. And he said that in the aftermath of World War II, and I quote, the Americans had unknowingly generated a cargo cult that knew how to win, end quote. Now, that's a funny, funny quote. Do you know what a cargo cult is? I have an idea. Some people listening may not, so enlighten me, enlighten us. All right, so a cargo cult. We go back to the Second World War, and in the Second World War, there were lots of islands in the Pacific, and they weren't as advanced as Western societies, technologically speaking. But... The Americans and the British, they needed bases 
uh, to launch attacks on Japan and the islands that Japan controlled. So, so the Pacific Islands. In the Pacific Islands, uh, Vanuatu, um, Tuvalu, the small islands, nations in, in, in the Pacific. Yeah. And they saw the Americans and their technology. And when the Americans left, they started worshipping the Americans, believing that someday they'd come back with their technology and, you know, bring them all the food and everything. They thought that the Americans were messiahs. Right. Do you ever hear about that? You ever hear about... Uh, yeah, um, there's something to do with uh, Prince Philip. Is it he, Prince Philip? That's it, that's it. That's a cargo cult. Which island is that? Um, the island... I'm not sure which one that is, but there's an island in Vanuatu called Vanna, mm. um, and they have a cargo cult, and they worship uh, an American soldier called John Frum. Can Never you, heard of him. Yeah. Can you imagine an island, like, worshipping you? Yeah. What, what would they think of us if we, <laughs> we arrived on, Christ, a, 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 on an island? Wouldn't they be in for They'd ne- never seen a, a white man before. Yeah. Two white men. Yeah. Would like would it, would they be worshiping Owen from you know who are you Owen from Ireland oh it's Owen from <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're never gonna find this John from <laughs> but John from is their god um so anyway that that let's consider that America occupied Japan after defeating them in 1945 and the intent was to carry out a program of social re-engineering. In other words, they wanted to transform the national psyche into one that met their values and one that met their own systems. Yeah. Um, they wanted to make Japan into a little mini America. Right. And so then... Japan, yeah. Japan... Yeah, yeah they, go on. They, 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 they basically, they wanted to make a little mini America and they scrapped that plan because of the Cold War. So Japan was left to its own devices. Yeah. And what Japan saw was that America was, America beat Japan in the war because of its ability to manufacture and its technology. So they wanted to emulate them. Exactly. The very one. And... So Gibson, he goes on to explain that. And I'll quote again. He says that Japan, 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 (laughs) Japan entered the post-war world as though it were two creatures constrained within the same skin. The sheer cumulative trauma, these ongoing, unimaginable and violent time shifts had produced a mutant culture. The Japan that emerged in the latter half of the century to out-manufacture, out-market and outsell the Americans was in large part the inadvertent creation of America. End yeah, quote. so yeah, with the Cold War, um, Japan was gifted a head start. America would continue their pursuit of war while the Japanese would knuckle down and rebuild instead and rebuild in such a way that the rest of the world would look on in awe at what was happening in the Far East. Uh, while America lingered, Japan surpassed them in many respects. Even today, America lingers to the point that China has overtaken it and is streets ahead in yeah. many ways. Yeah, so yeah, for about 30 years, Japan was the second largest economy in the world. Yeah. yeah, And that was... 
basically because they were they were doing whatever the Americans they saw what the Americans did and they copied it and they copied it in their own way because the Americans abandoned them to do it in their own way. Yeah. And so what's the context behind cyberpunk in Japan? Uh, according to William Gibson, there's just one more quote for you. In the 1980s, Japan was the de facto spiritual home of that particular flavor of popular culture. It was not that there was a cyberpunk movement in Japan or a native literature akin to cyberpunk, but that modern Japan simply was cyberpunk. And the Japanese themselves, they knew it and they delighted in it. That's the end of the quote there. Now, cyberpunk is technology and manufacturing and they were beating America at its own game. Yes, and a local guide who was escorting him around Tokyo described his city as Blade Runner Town. So yeah. this, this is their own impression of it, the Japanese and, people. And, and that's kind of like what we have here in China. They might not say Blade Runner Town, you know, it's, a bit, mm-hmm. it, it's not exactly in the now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, but the locals, they do play up to this image and they appreciate the, the cyberpunk qualities of their city. They revel in it. And why shouldn't they? These cities are cool. Yes, and where we're going with this, and you must remember that cyberpunk literature is American in origin, yeah. uh, is to a place of fear. The fear of the other. The fear of what they might bring to the table that you simply cannot. And this is the fear of the Oriental from an American perspective. Now, we both agree that in these days of political correctness, the word Oriental shouldn't really have no, a place it's not, it's not a, in modern day conversation. It's not a thing that randomly go and say to people. No. No, no you wouldn't say an Asian looking person, oh, he's Oriental or she's yeah, Oriental. No, 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 no. no it doesn't no. belong anymore. But it's dated. Yeah. Uh, it was never right to begin with, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, but we are going to use this term here for, for simply the purpose of discussing the cyberpunk genre as an Orientalist trope. Right, so let's get into it. Now, hardly any cyberpunk fictional piece of work is complete without making a Japanese corporation out as the enemy. Um, since cyberpunk's inception, this has usually been the case Techno-Orientalist worlds um, run by evil Japanese oligarchs, highly xenophobic. Um, Xenophobia is actually a big thing in cyberpunk. Um, And cyberpunk has always been guilty of exotifying Asian cultures and countries, hence the Orientalism. And we've discussed William Gibson. Last week we, we discussed Philip K. Dick and his novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, whereas Gibson's Neuromancer, it played with the notion of a technology-ridden dystopia. The film Blade Runner envisioned it. It envisioned an America no longer seated as the throne of the world power. And as an aside, before writing Androids, Philip K. Dick wrote The Man in the High Castle, uh, in which the Axis powers of Germany, Italy... Germany itself, Japan, they all won World War Two. Yeah, right. This is a piece of fiction, uh, and this was again venturing into the like dystopian territory of alternative fiction. Cyberpunk was alternative; it wasn't American supremacy. 
It represented a fear of the other and the growing threat of advanced technologies and East Asian corporations. Yeah. Yeah, it was America out of the supremacy. And now, one easy way to see this is like the next time you watch Blade Runner, um, look closely at the sets where it's filmed. Right at the very start, Rick Deckard, um, that's Harrison Ford. He's eating a bowl of, of noodles. Uh, he's not eating a hamburger. He's not eating a, a hot dog or anything that you'd consider American. Deckard's a white guy eating noodle, noodles in a futuristic Los Angeles that's mostly populated by Asian people. He's even turning to the Asian guy to translate what the white guy is saying to him. It's really, it's really weird. Like English has, has, it, it, English has lost its place in the culture. And yeah, it's not the common language it's, in it's, this world. Yeah, there is, it's not dominant. There is yeah, no it's not dominant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there is no supremacy. Yeah. yeah, dominance. Um, now, in real life, Los Angeles it has a large Asian population. It's a large Creole population. It has, uh, but this, this opening visual it cements what american corporations feared yeah so let's take you back to the early 1980s japan was having its so-called bubble period japan's economy was growing substantially thanks to post-war government policies that were focused on technology and innovations in areas such as management and systems techniques and out of all this emerged the cool Japan phenomenon of the early to mid-2000s, which would eventually recreate how the West effectively viewed Japan. But, going back to the 1980s, things were so much different in that the West had viewed Japan as a threat to America's economic status as a world power, and cyberpunk, as a genre, fed into this fear. Yeah, and... Attitudes changed. Attitudes changed after the turn of the millennium. Japan subscribed to the general consumption of pop culture at the time, and it and it marketed itself as such. Um, all the the J pop and the anime and all that. It, this portrayal was far more palatable to Western audiences, and it was yeah. The perception was changed through manga, anime, music. All, all sorts of different avenues and cyberpunk stories shifted to incorporate the image of a cool Japan into the existing narrative of the genre. Uh, Japan reproduced the Orientalist cyberpunk aesthetic. They wanted to show the world a truer image of themselves that wasn't xenoph- not the xenophobic anxieties of a technological evil future, which was born out of an American construction. And these American anxieties have jumped from one ship to another. Until the end of the 20th century, it was the fear of Japan. Now, it's the fear of China. Let's take a video game like Cyberpunk 2077. A flop upon release, a product largely unfinished. And banned in China. Sure, even Sony had it removed from their, their PlayStation store. Yeah. That's it. There was a bit of fear going around, you know? It's like, a, it is the Orientalist drope again. Like, Yeah, it subscribes yeah. to it. But the game was, was terrible. Yeah. The game was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, in the game, the Orientalist trope comes in the form of a xenophobic shift towards Chinese corporations this time, not Japanese. Um, this game, by the way, is maybe two years old now. Yeah. Um, and these corporations are basically presented as having a stake in and a degree of influence over all walks of life in the game. Uh, this, of course, is reflective of modern America's anxieties toward mainland China. Xenophobia has never, never left the building. No, it hasn't. And in reality, there's a there's a fear in the West of, of Chinese technology, notably the 5G technology. Now, this fear has no basis in fact whatsoever. It's a it's a conspiracy theory at the very far extremes. Mm-hmm. It probably has more to do with national pride and taking back their control or their perceived sovereignty as anything else. But the bottom line is that mobile I'm gonna give you an example here and a big example and so Huawei um they they wanted to help certain countries in the West install a 5G network. But some of these countries, and we're not going to get into this too much because it's too beyond, it's beyond what I actually care. It's out of our reach. It's, not, so, it's not It's not our place to say. They basically said no out of security concerns. And it was last year, it was a big story. Um, the One of the executives of, of Huawei was imprisoned in, in in Canada and she was released she was she was released and there was no charge to answer but she was still anyway I don't care I actually don't care it's beyond that beyond read all about it go look into it it's just a fear of it's a fear of China it's a fear of Chinese technology that's what it is yeah um and the western power not being able to do the same exactly yeah that's it um yeah, so let's take our feet off the gas somewhat and speak please, about easier matters. Please. Um, how is cyberpunk in China represented on screen? Today, cyberpunk is seen by the Chinese mainstream as an aesthetic of pure social progress and high-tech glamour. And China has bought into it. Yeah, that's right. Um, so today, cyberpunk is... it's It has become... It has became an actual depiction of urban Chinese life. Um, As we know, the typical cyberpunk celluloid setting, it features a sophisticated urban infrastructure, mile-high buildings, neon billboards, the flying cars, all of that. The, The backdrop, somewhat, it resembles a modern Chinese city. And numerous videos and film they depict an urban China as cyberpunk and they've widely circulated online and it further reinforced China's association with the term. So cyberpunk is alive and well in China then? Uh, the seeds have been sown. And there's widespread belief that China will surpass Japan from its cyberpunk throne thanks to its GDP output, uh, if it hasn't already, that is. Uh, let's, oh. let's take an example of modern cyberpunk cinema ghost in the shell right controversial because scarlett johansson was cast as an asian character madness crazy crazy and she didn't do herself any favors in her her comments afterwards 
She said it didn't matter. It does matter. It does, you know. Why not a, an Asian actor? You know, they're, they're good yeah. enough. Like, I, it does matter. It actually matters. You know, you, it's just going back to, to black fla- blackface in the 1920s. It, it does it, matter. It's just that they wanted... They wanted a star they wanted to a, sell it in the West. Yeah, they wanted a star to sell it in the West. Right, but then I'm thinking uh, Crouching the Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and what a success that was in the West. Michelle Yeoh was brilliant. Yeah, and uh, Jung Zee. Yeah. Um, she was very young back then in that, yeah, in that yeah, film. Yeah, she was yeah, like 20. She's huge in China, but they didn't have any Westerners in it. No, they and didn't. And still it was a massive, massive hit. Massive hit, yeah. Um, but yeah, in the film... Like we have glimpses of Shanghai and Hong Kong, uh, and interestingly enough, Ghost in the Shell is based on a 1989 anime series that originally took inspiration from the landscapes of Hong Kong, not Japan. In modern day cyberpunk, the focus has primarily been placed on the Chinese cities of today rather than the Japan of Blade Runner's Tomorrow. And in Taipei, um. This city was used by director uh, Saman Kesh as a backdrop to his short film, Controller. Controller is currently being made for, it's in the works to be, um, as they say, to be made for the big screen. 20th Century Fox are actually the ones behind it. Uh, In short, the film, it takes place in an alternative world where technology has infiltrated the very mechanisms of our hearts. And it tells the story of a superpower enhanced man in love with a robot that controls people's minds. Now, that's something to watch out for. Yes, and you'll find Controller available online. Yeah. Anywhere. It's yeah. cool. It's only like nine or ten minutes. It's really cool. Um, so let's now talk technology for a few minutes. Uh, this was something we were going to include <coughs> in the previous podcast in part one. But we decided to hold off on it. Uh, right, tell me on about Deus S. Machina. Right, so Deus Est Machina. It's a trope. It's a trope in literature in which technology becomes the god of the peace. And if your god is an all-powerful machine, it can solve all human problems, hunger, poverty, all earthly problems, or... It can decide that you are the problem and it can enslave us all and use us as batteries like in the Matrix. In Latin, Deus est machina means God is the machine. And don't confuse that with Deus ex machina. What's the difference? Okay, so Deus est machina, God is the machine. Technology is is all powerful and will save you. Deus ex machina means God out of the machine and it's it's kind of a lazy trope where something otherworldly or superpoweredly just comes in and saves the day. Okay, right. It's kind of lazy. It's yeah, a bit lazy. Yeah. It is a bit lazy, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're stepping into the realm of artificial intelligence here. And of course, in China, facial recognition is a thing. All right, We have cameras everywhere and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of security forces whose sole job it is uh, to scan these cameras and surveil the internet for illicit practices. The wait, 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 I tell you, wait, I tell you. 
Um, in my in my building, so there's a a, a a face scanner. That face scanner scans the security guard's face while he's wearing a mask. Yeah. It, it it opens the door. He doesn't have to take the mask off. It scans his it face. It identifies him no problem. Identifies him no problem while he's mm-hmm. wearing a mask. That's cool. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really... That's that's nuts. But yeah, the, the China security forces here, they put faith in the machine. They put faith in technology. Uh, did you read or hear about how drones were used to help fight COVID-19? Drones? Drones, what's that now? Yes, yeah. well, I don't, you must have been sedated at the time well, if you didn't hear about I it did, because yeah. this went viral. Yeah? This was all over the place. I was probably would, paying no attention. Well, it wouldn't have been the first time you were sedated for well, a, for is, five or six hours. This is, ah, now, ah, now, ah, now. <laughs> Turning my phone on mute and you're picking on me. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... This is the story. Uh, there's a city called Yancheng in northern Jiangsu province. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was during the summer of 2020 uh, when a drone was used at the exit of one of these expressways where you have the toll booths. So just kind of hovering above it. Yeah. Uh, it was used to help with uh, quarantine inspection, right? And right. yeah, you could see this drone is just hovering above the vehicles with a QR code hanging from it. Uh, anyone anyone entering the city was required to scan the code. Uh, if their travel itineraries flash green, on they go. Red, uh-uh, you, you don't go anywhere. Uh, but like the, the thought process was that drones could help alleviate the workload uh, of grassroots workers. That's actually... During, during the heat of the summer. Like, you know, that's... that's yeah, that's mental. That's uh, that's cool, though. I'm I'm all for it. And I suppose this is the world we live in. Robots are, are replacing workers and it's just becoming more and more common, especially in factories. Yeah, and robots, AI intelligence, Elon Musk. We, we probably all know Elon Musk. He's warning against it. Uh, but then again, he is pushing the boundaries of what's possible. So you have to ask, is he also culpable? Billionaires, huh? Billionaires? Don't listen to what billionaires have to say. They will tell you what you want to hear, and then they will piss on you from a great height. Yes, worship your parents, worship your family, worship local heroes, yeah. policemen, firefighters, doctors and nurses. Unle- un- un- yeah, unless they're assholes. Billionaires, in, they don't care, they don't care. Billionaires don't give a... They couldn't care less about you. No, and uh, yeah... Uh, yeah, have some respect for your security forces because I touched there upon the armies of security forces yeah. that operate here in China. And to this point, we've discussed how a cyberpunk city functions, but how do you manage it? Of course, this is a cyberpunk trope in itself. Um, police and corporate security forces can be found in every nook and cranny of cyberpunk worlds. In fiction, they're most likely totalitarian fascists whose existence is based solely to serve the dictatorship. Uh, examples of this can be found in films such as The Fifth Element, yeah. In Total Recall. Uh, as with the trope of rain that we spoke about last time, police and corporate security are an unrelenting feature that simply make life miserable for the general population. That's fiction. But like the rain in real life, 
Police and corporate security measures in China, they're not a source of oppression. Maintaining safety here is always paramount. Security men and women are forever on the beat, be it on the subway, on intercity trains and stations, at shopping centres, even at ATMs you see them. Uh, They're everywhere. And as a result, China is a safe place. Arguably more so than any other country in the world. It is. It's very safe. And they've got all these police porta cabins dotted all around the place. Do you remember? Do you remember? It was New Year. What going back five years ago was it? It was New Year of twenty seventeen. Because I came came to China in twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Twenty. And so New Year twenty seventeen. My first New Year twenty. You know what I'm saying about the portable the porta cabins? Yeah. We were walking down the road, and there's a there's a, a. Police station. Middle of the night. Yeah, it's it's like it was lifted off the back of a trailer mm-hmm. and put onto put onto a road and it was shrink wrapped. It was shrink wrapped, <laughs> yeah. Had cling film all around mm, it. This is this yeah. is New Year's Eve, was it? Or yeah, New, yeah, Year's New Year's Day Eve, night or yeah, something like that, yeah. But like yeah, just like, a New Year's present dropped yeah. off for the boys on ha- the side of the road. Happy New Year, here's a new police station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's cool, it's cool. Shrink wrapped. You know? It was deadly, yeah. And they they could be anywhere. Like they, they they could be anywhere. They could be on a on a busy street. They could be outside a supermarket, side of a motorway, motorway anywhere. If you're not living in China, you're probably thinking to yourself, "That is a bit much, isn't it?" Well, it's not. It's not. It's actually not. You no. remember, this is a nation of more than a billion people. There are there are more people in the housing community where I live than there are in my hometown. Mm. So if you put that into scale There should be about 25-30 policemen Walking around my my little community Just that area Just that yeah. area yeah. They have, People have to be policed uh-huh. And it requires serious manpower Serious manpower you Yeah, know? You know, it does, it does Yeah, anyway, any other tropes? Um, yes, another trope in cyberpunk is black markets Oh yeah Right, this, this is a big one. Uh, a black market is an underground economy which deals in the transfer of illicit goods, the exact nature of which will vary wi- widely depending on era and location. Mm. Um, the empire may be actively trying to stamp it all out or taking its cut under the table and vigilantly looking for some other, you know, some other direction. Um, the stuff for sale, it may be worthless crap. It could be lethally dangerous. It might even be genuinely useful, or most likely, it might be a mixture of all of these things. Um, but if you're going to pay through the nose, and when you arrive to pick up your purchase, it might be a good idea to come armed, yeah. right? Now, this is fiction again. Um, you might even send someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's the sort of thing you're talking about there. There's a, a series of, of video games called uh, Deus Ex. Um, so Deus Ex Invisible War. They're, they have a hive mind where the black market is actually, you know, it's a it's a telekinetic black market. Um, every weapon dealer in Deus Ex has a local version of this. Um, they sell out weapons and ammo and stuff like that. The Hunger Games. Most people will know the Hunger Games. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a black market in the Hunger Games, um, which is also very cyberpunk. District Twelve, it's called the Hob, and it operates 
out of a coal warehouse. Yeah. So there's the hob in Hunger Games. And it goes up in flames and burns down, doesn't it? Terrible. Terrible. Um, in reality, and back to China, the goods might not be illegal, but people genuinely accept that they can purchase counterfeit stuff in places like Taobao. And they don't care for the most part. Uh, they think here that some bars and clubs use counterfeit alcohol. Now, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, that is dangerous. But it's almost like there's an acceptance that counterfeiting yeah. takes place here. Yeah. Oh, there is an acceptance, absolutely. Have you ever, have you ever tried to buy a computer part in China? You'll I have need, needed no. to right. do so. No? So you buy them in these huge department store type buildings and they have computer components just lying around. And let's say you wanted to buy a CPU, the chip in the middle of your computer, the brain of your computer. Yeah. It'll probably, it's not going to be in a box and the price is going to be whatever the guy decides. And you really do have to know what, you have to know somebody who knows what's going on. Mm, yeah. Um, do you have any counterfeit stuff? I've got a load of counterfeit jerseys and stuff. Like I, you, I don't. I don't think so. No. Ah, you must have. You must have gotten a, a few, few United jerseys or something like that. A few, few, few football jerseys. Yeah, but all my my United jerseys, uh, my all my fake ones at the the Man United store in Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, do, yeah. you actually buy the legit ones? I bought a retro one. Uh, Nineteen seventy-three. George Best number on the back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't buy many jerseys anymore. Yeah, I, I one don't. Or two, one or two. Yeah, I like the, I like the fake ones because they're decent quality. You know, they're decent quality, and they're, they're you won't be able to get them either way. You know, like you, I can't go and get a a, a Wicklow jersey unless it's fake. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, you just don't know. Even if you go to an official shop, even if you, if you go, just, to you don't know, shop, you don't yeah. know what you're getting. But but anyway, um, well, you you do know what you're getting most you of the time. You're getting most of the there's time. There's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. There's a chance. Exactly. Um, so yeah, black markets. That's black markets. Uh, now we're going to end on a lighter note. Any fans of the TV show Friends out there, right? Oh, Owen loves this. Uh, if so, you might remember the episode where Chandler plays a video cassette of one of Joey's. Actually, no, no, it's not Chandler who plays it. Uh, it's Joey who puts it into the Joey puts it in, into yeah. the into the t- into the cassette recorder. Yeah. Um, to prove that Chandler didn't watch it, yeah, right, because Chandler's a funny guy, he's a witty guy, he's sarcastic, he he has things to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the video is of one of Joey's old commercials that he did in Japan, right? Um, the product, Ichiban lipstick for men, psycho, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> this commercial that Joey shot was an imagined version of what the American producers probably thought men of the future might wear. In this case, blue lipstick that glitters. Psycho. (laughs) (laughs) It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, Owen, what do you think the fashion of a cyberpunk city looks like? Uh, Doc Martin boots. Um, Doc Martin boots, skinny ripped jeans... Leather punk haircuts for men and women. No, 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 no. Completely wrong. Go on. Completely wrong. That's that's 40 years ago. Times have changed. I'm old. Right. What can I say? How have they changed? Let me tell you why. 
Now, perhaps a quirky recent fad is that post-COVID, cyberpunk has become fashionable as a clothing and a lifestyle aesthetic amongst China's Generation Zers, or Zers, if you'd rather. Uh, So what we have here, picture like lots of gloss, lots of silvers, shiny clothes, neon colours. It's even made its way into the jewellery and skincare markets, right? And there's hashtags going around and social media like... Hashtag futuristic cyberpunk face. <laughs> these are these these trends, right, on social various social media platforms. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's good. No. Hashtag futuristic cyberpunk, cyberpunk face. face. Futuristic cyberpunk. Hashtag futuristic cyberpunk face. I'm going to be using that in future. That's that's mad. That's wild. That's crazy. All right, and yeah. True story. And that's where we'll leave it for our cyberpunk adventure. I enjoyed that. A little too much, maybe. Ah, Didn't yeah. someone remark about information overload? Ah, they did, they did. But sure, we're only finding our feet. And have you absorbed oh. that information all? I have absorbed it. I've absorbed it. I take it all and I welcome all feedback of all kinds. And whether it's praise or criticism, I take it all on. Yeah, uh, we are a work in progress, but mostly people People have been highly complimentary, and we're glad to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're getting we're in the second month of doing this. It's it's December. It's getting chilly out there. Have you been enjoying the late autumnal colour? Oh yes, I have. All the yellow leaves covering the paths. Yeah, the jinko trees. Yeah, and the uh, the old ladies. They love taking their selfies beside the leaves. Uh, it's a craze. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to be thankful too that in spite of us living in a cyberpunk environment, nature is everywhere and it gives things a nice balance. Yeah. You know, cyberpunk cities in China, they can't be called dull. And that's for sure. Massive respect has to be given to the urban planning. So yeah, be careful out there when walking, folks. That's It's quite slippery these days. and I've had one or two moments. Yeah, I've, I fell. I fell. I slipped on a, slipped on a leaf. But they are clearing the paths now. The the, the leaves have been collected in yeah. the yeah, the black yeah, yeah. dustbin bags. Yeah, that's it's a small world after all. Do you ever listen to this song? Oh yeah, the the truck going down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, right. It's either that or jingle bells. Jingle bells. Yeah. Um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter. Find us at the China Podcast. We have a growing community of followers, which is nice to see. Yeah, and continue to give us feedback. Um, we listen to everything that you say. We listen to all your suggestions. Yeah, anywhere that you can subscribe to our podcast, hit that subscribe button. Uh, it's the easiest way of keeping up with the show. We do this once a week, with the exception of last week. Yeah. Uh, so, over and out. Over and out. Toodles. <laughs> <笑>其实这样我花了我有时候我不想啊比比我有时候一天都不说一句话我不说话就是骂客人的我不说话就是骂大我晓得了来一句那么大我了所以说社会上的人走了我的路不可怜我的意思你不要脸的是么回事<